Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877 I'll be on Hannity on the Fox News channel 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight if you care I wasn't going to start with this but there's quote-unquote breaking news that the appeals court panel uh, has ruled that the special master who was appointed by the district court judge in South Florida is to stop his work and that the special master is no longer to participate in the process. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. I want you to listen to this. Because, ladies and gentlemen... I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I'm just the messenger here. But this administration is moving headlong into uncharted territory. And it is committed, I believe, to indicting Donald Trump. On the most specious of grounds. On areas of the law. Which are preposterous. That's why they brought Stephen Miller in. To the grand jury. That's why they've brought White House counsel that worked for Trump into the grand jury. That's why they're bringing other people into the grand jury. He's their target. They have two ongoing federal grand juries in Washington, both aimed at Trump. You've got grand jurors from the Washington, D.C. population. That's where they pull them from. And eventually you would have a trial jury from the Washington, D.C. population. And so all these cases that they're bringing and they're testing out different legal theories against Proud Boys or Oath Keepers or this guy or that gal or whatever, this is all lead up to Trump. 
They're testing what the district court judges in Washington, D.C. will do, how far they'll go, and they're willing to go very far. This is the same Department of Justice, of course, that, that asked a court in New York to go soft when a lawyer threw a Molotov cocktail into a police vehicle, not knowing whether there were police there or not, and talking about burning the place down. She gets 15 months. The head of the Proud Boys effort there on the Capitol Hill, uh, they're hoping they can put him away for 20 years. And so this isn't about politics to me. This isn't about these never-Trumpers over at National Review and Wall Street Journal and other places. This is about justice and a rogue Department of Justice. Joe Biden has not hidden his feelings. He wants Donald Trump charged, and he wants Donald Trump sent to prison. The entire Democrat Party has and does. So do the media. So do the never-Trumpers. But you don't, you don't use instrumentalities of law enforcement this way. And what's amazing to me is, truly amazing to me, is that it was Donald Trump who was the victim of the FBI, the Department of Justice, the White House under Obama and Biden, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Democrats, certain law firms in Washington, and the media. He was the one victimized by them. Really quite remarkable. Not a single one of those people involved is going to prison. Hillary Clinton with the documents. She was never charged. There was no special counsel investigating Hillary Clinton with her emails. They just dropped it. And that was that. I'm deeply concerned by this. When you have guys like Chris Christie or Asa Hutchison or others who are piling on on issues in ways that they don't on other issues, they want Donald Trump charged. Because what's happening is the Department of Justice and their special counsel, they're looking at the media and they're making a gamble that even Republicans won't come to Donald Trump's defense if he's indicted. Because they'll be so disgusted with him by then. It's not a matter of being disgusted or angry or happy or supporting or opposing. Just strip the bark off of this and look at it. Donald Trump has documents or did at Mar-a-Lago. Okay. So the dispute is whether or not they were his or his to take. And so now we're dancing on the head of a pin. At best for the government. They asked him for the documents over and over again. They asked him if he had all the documents over and over again. He wasn't responsive, so there. So you're going to indict a former president? Really? January 6th. You have this committee in Congress, and I'm not going to bore you and keep going after it, uh, and explaining why it is so, such a grotesque miscarriage of legislative purpose. 
that's going to put out a report the way the Stasi would put out a report, the way you would go after any political enemy, the way you would go after Dreyfus. And that's what they're going to do. If there was evidence today that Donald Trump called for the insurrection of, the, of our government, we'd know it already. You wouldn't need years of investigations and a thousand witnesses and endless subpoenas. You'd know it. So they're going to put together a circumstantial case, a dishonest case. But they know they control the jury. They know they control the outcome. If you're a Republican facing a grand jury charge in Washington, D.C., or facing a jury, a court in Washington, D.C., you don't have a chance. You have no chance. If Washington, D.C. was a 93% Republican city, and a Barack Obama or Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton had been brought up on charges on these novel ideas like we're hearing now, you know you'd never hear the end of it. You would never hear the end of it. You're going to have to brace yourselves for this. It's disgusting. And there will be pushback. Political, legal, governmental. This is why I'm so frustrated with these five boneheads in the House of Representatives. The Republicans need to get their act together. The Judiciary Committee needs to hold hearings as soon as January 3rd comes and goes with its chairman, Jim Jordan. And they need to be focused like a laser on what they need to deal with. And number one out of the box is not Hunter Biden. Number one out of the box has to be the FBI. Because the FBI now is an institutionalized danger to all of us. To all of us. And to any Republican nominee, whether it's DeSantis or somebody else, a Ted Cruz. I'm going to give you an example. Jen Psaki is all over MSNBC, all over TV. She did her time, and now she's a grifter, 100%. And she's on with the morning schmo, who is a complete, unprincipled fraud, both in his personal life and his governmental life. That's right. If everything's on the table, then everything's on the table. I want you to listen to her this morning on this show. Hat tip, mediaite, cut seven, go. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you have on one hand, you have the Republican Party on every level, the battle for the RNC chair, whatever Kevin McCarthy's strategy is, which I don't think it's three dimensional chess. I think he doesn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and Marjorie Taylor Greene's participation in policy committees. There's an identity crisis playing out here. Who are they for? What are they for? What are they fighting for? And then on the other hand, to David's point, you have Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice. And I think he deserves and they deserve some 
credit here. And I was speaking with a Department of Justice official a couple weeks ago who described Merrick Garland as a quiet storm, somebody yeah. who builds. That is what he is doing. They went big with Stuart Rhodes. There are more seditionists. They are going to continue to uh, prosecute. He's obviously has Jack Smith in charge, who is a guy who is prosecuting war criminals. This is a complete badass guy who's doing this. And they are doing serious work here. Well, there's an identity crisis going and on on the other side. Work- See that? She's bragging about it. Her sources at the Department of Justice. Stuart Rhodes. They dusted off a statute that hasn't been used since post-Civil War and Civil War against Confederates who are at war, obviously, with the country, with the Union. That's what they used to prosecute this guy. Can you believe that? That's what they used to prosecute this guy on sedition. And imagine that. They got him and the lawyer for this group convicted with a Washington, D.C. jury. And what she's saying is what I was just saying. They're testing these statutes. They're testing the judges. They're testing what they can get away with in the Department of Justice. And they know they can get away with a lot. Then you have these judges today, these appellate judges, led by Bill Pryor, circuit court judge, whose mentor was Jeff Sessions in Alabama, a man I've known well over the years, but not lately. He's also very close to J. Michael Ludig. J. Michael Ludig. And one of the things he said at oral argument when the Department of Justice and Trump's lawyers were in that courtroom was, we wouldn't be having a spe- we wouldn't be having a special master his accent if if he were a regular citizen here we're talking about a former former president yeah exactly and that 15 watt light bulb should have gone off at that point and said wait wait a minute we are talking about a former president we should make sure this is meticulously done And a special master in this case makes a lot of sense. But no. No. A lot of these prim and proper, your honors, conservative or otherwise, here's the dirty little secret. They don't like Trump either. They don't like him. They come out of the McConnell wing of the Republican Party. They don't like him either. He's just... They don't talk that way at the Federalist Society, you know. We don't do things that way. Well, maybe if Bill Pryor faced the kind of onslaught that Trump did, maybe he wouldn't think that way. And Bill Pryor did over time when he was nominated. Which is why he really could never get on the Supreme Court. But you just heard Pisaki. These people don't care about the country. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about any of these things. You're Attorney General of the United States. You're sitting there and you have people coming to you who are highly political in these positions. Your Deputy Attorney General, the head of the Civil Rights Division, they're coming to you and saying, hey, we have it on good authority from the National Archives that Trump 
that Trump took documents he shouldn't take. Okay, well, time to give them back. Okay, he only gave some back. Well, time to give the other ones back, too. Well, he really won't give the other ones back. All right, let's send the FBI in. Would you do that? Would you do that, Mr. Producer? And on this January 6th stuff, you bring in a staff. Now they want to talk to the Vice President of the United States, Pence, in front of the federal grand jury. And what they'll put out is some kind of a PR statement in the form of an indictment at some point, I'm guessing. I want to pursue this further for you and with you because this is a big deal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So there are all kinds of write-ups of Hakeem Jeffries, all kiss-ass write-ups by the media. He's a historic first. Oh, that changes everything. And, of course, he's not as radical as the radical kooks. He's a pragmatic radical kook. Oh, okay. Did a whole thing on his lovely parents, how he grew up. Went to school, got his law degree, was a corporate lawyer for a time, decided to get into politics. Very earnest young man, but they left out a lot. And so I'll fill in the gaps. We'll be right back. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. 
And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is America's Constitutional Convention. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Hakeem Jeffries is probably the number one election denier in America. And the media know this. They have access to the same tweets that I do. They have access to the same audio from MSNBC in 2017 that, that I do. But the media are corrupt. The media are, are unconscionable in the narratives that they push because they're loaded with Democrat left-wing hacks. Here's Hakeem Jeffries on MSNBC in 2017. Cut nine, go. I don't think not attending the inauguration, for instance, would be disrespecting uh, that principle in this particular situation because John Lewis is completely right. There is a cloud of illegitimacy around the election of Donald Trump. The Russians interfered with his election. James Comey and the FBI interfered with his uh, election. The fake news industry interfered with his election. Ooh. The fake news industry. I guess he's against the press. Remember what they used to say? Like Hitler. That's what they said about Trump. And uh, the Russians interfered with the election. So he's a crackpot. He's a radical leftist. And they know it. And his family is too. And I'll get to that in a moment. Here we are, thanks to the blaze. Some of uh, Hakeem's tweets, February 2018, quote, the more we learn about 2016 election, the more illegitimate he writes in caps it becomes. America deserves to know whether we have a fake president in the Oval Office, Russian interference. Hashtag Russian interference. September 2018, lie, capitalized L-I-E, more than any administration in the history of the Republic, cheat, capitalized, 2016 election, Russian interference, steal, capitalized, one or two Supreme Court seats. When will Republicans put country ahead of party? February 2022, quote, the Supreme Court majority has zero legitimacy. So he's going after the president. He's going after the court. If you disagree with him, it's illegitimate. I'm waiting for all the headlines. I'm waiting for all the editorials. I'm waiting for all the commentary. I guess I'll just keep waiting. Said the Supreme Court majority has zero legitimacy. Ghosts of the Confederacy are alive and well. Wow, this wasn't in the kiss-ass piece in the major media. September 2021. Republicans hijacked the judiciary by stealing two Supreme Court seats. And now they want us to respect illegitimate decisions from these people. Get lost, he says. He's pragmatic. November 2021, the right-wing majority on the Supreme Court is completely illegitimate. Wow. And he was elected by a unanimous vote. But he's a historic selection, ladies and gentlemen. This Hakeem Jeffries. Well, Hakeem Jeffries, his uncle, is Leonard Jeffries. I touched on this very briefly. 
You remember Leonard Jeffries, don't you? We talked about it at the time. Rush spoke about it at length as well. He's the uncle of Hakeem Jeffries. He's the uncle of the Democrat Party leader in the House. Now, can you imagine if Trump had an uncle like this? Wow. We'd never hear the end of it. Can you imagine if Trump sat in a church for 20 years where the reverend was railing against black people and Jews? Obama sat in the pews for 20 years with his lovely wife, Michelle, while Reverend Jeremiah Wright was railing against white people and Jews. Didn't seem to slow him down. Why? Because there's two standards. You all know this. It's the standard the media agree with, and then their efforts to destroy the so-called deplorables. Jessica Chasmar at Fox News did a hell of a job. Warnock's former church repeatedly hosted anti-Semitic black supremacist professor. This is Warnock, Raphael Warnock, who's running against Herschel Walker. Now, today, the news is covering a story that they spoke to five former executives who work with, with Herschel Walker and said he had a temper. He had a temper. Boy, can you imagine if they would have spoken to people who worked for LBJ back in the day? He had more than a temper. He also walked around with his pants off when the girls were around. Leonard Jeffries, uncle of Democrat Rep. Hakeem Jeffries, espoused black nationalist views popularized by Louis Farrakhan. And so I looked this up. And Hakeem Jeffries was confronted on this at least once. And he said he's very close to his uncle, but doesn't agree with his views. Now, if I had a uncle, an uncle who was a racist, uh, I wouldn't say I'm very close to him, but I don't agree with his views. I would have nothing to do with him. But that's not how the Jeffries family works. And with all the media attention this man has received and all the so-called press conferences he's had, he's never really been pressed on this, and he never will be. Senator Raphael Warnock worked as a youth and assistant pastor of a church for a decade while it repeatedly hosted a former New York City professor who was ousted over anti-Semitic and black supremacist teachings. From 1991 to 2001, Warnock served as youth pastor for six years and then assistant pastor for four years under Reverend Calvin Butts, an Abyssinian Baptist church in New York City, several years before he went on to lead the same Atlanta church where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor. Boy, how the standards have changed. From 1991 to 1998, Butts's Abyssinian Church hosted Leonard Jeffries as a speaker at least three times. Leonard Jeffries is the uncle of Democratic Representative Hakeem Jeffries, now the Democrat leader in the House. The congressman said in 2013 that he remained close with his uncle, but disagreed with his theories. The time of his first appearance at the Abyssinian Church in 1991, Leonard Jeffries was embroiled in a legal battle to retain his position as the Black Studies Department Chair at the City University of New York, CUNY. He was ultimately removed from his position after a years-long dispute over racist and anti-Semitic remarks, including blaming Jewish people for the transatlantic slave trade and supporting black supremacist ideals like the theory that higher, 
um, melanin levels make black people inherently superior to white people. It's all right. Hakeem's close to his uncle, but, you know, doesn't agree with his theories. Leonard spoke about the the Cooney controversy during an October 1991 speech at the Baptist Church after a student reporter with a Harvard Crimson alleged the professor had slammed the outlet as a Jewish newspaper during their interview, threatened the reporter's life, and had a bodyguard physically seize the audio recording of the interview, the New York Times reported at the time. Leonard reportedly told the church congregation that he sat down with a student reporter with the intention to discuss multicultural educational issues, not the anti-Semitism controversy. He didn't deny the reporter's accusations, however. Now, while Raphael Warnock began working at the Obsidian in 1991 after graduating <coughs> from Morehouse College earlier the same year, it's unclear if he was working at the church at the time of Leonard's October speech, and they'll never get a straight answer out of him anyway. Also in 1991, the American Jewish Committee released a report on Leonard, quote, and the anti-Semitic branch of the Afrocentrism movement, unquote, highlighting several of the now former professor's comments on white people and Jews. The report said Leonard preaches Jew hatred like a religion and claimed he organized a 1990 conference for black teachers that featured black nationalists and anti-Semitic rhetoric and reading materials. I wonder if Hakeem has ever had dinner or lunch with his uncle, Mr. Producer. What do you think? Did they spend Thanksgiving together? In July 1991, I mean, they are close after all, three months before his first Abyssinian speech, Leonard claimed the portrayal of black people in movies was a conspiracy planned and plotted and programmed out of Hollywood where, he, where people called Greenberg and Weisberg and Trigillini and whatnot quote-unquote, the AGC report said. The report also noted Leonard's racially charged rhetoric, teaching that blacks are racially superior to whites. That's critical race theory. And his references to black people as sun people due to more melanin in their skin than whites, whom he calls ice people. Jeffries appeared at the Obsidian Church again in February 1992, giving a speech about systemic racism and white-on-black crime after a white police officer was acquitted in the shooting death of a black teenager, Philip Pinnell. Newsday reported at the time, Black people are under seas, Jeffries said. Abyssinian hosted Jeffries for a third time. Couldn't get enough of him. July 1998, when he and his wife, Rosalind, performed the libation marking the passing of black historian John Hendrick Clark, the New York Beacon reported at the time. In 2017, the left-leaning group, the Anti-Defamation League, left-wing, dubbed Jeffries an anti-Semitic speaker in a report covering anti-Semitism on college campuses. This is before this guy Greenblatt headed the ADL, I'm sure. Leonard Jeffries, the former head of the Black Studies Department at the City College of, of Cooney and professor there since 1972, has espoused racist and anti-Semitic views and theories since at least the early 80s when his comments made while he was department had began to attract public attention. And uh, Leonard Jeffrey's rhetoric about Jewish people continued after his Harvard appearance as well. In 1994, he was quoted in the New York Times as comparing Jewish people to skunks who stunk up everything. 
prior to a February 2012 keynote speech in Chicago from notorious anti-Semitic preacher Louis Farrakhan. Leonard was quoted as saying during a discussion panel, the evil genius of the Jewish community was to put together their powers to make business their religion and make it part of their culture. See, this is why BLM and this whole critical race theory is anti-white and anti-Jew and anti-American, pro-Marxist. Butts, who led the Obsidian Church while Warnock worked there, defended Leonard and slammed Cooney in 1992 for removing the professor's chairman. We don't need an ivory tower academician, he said. We need a scholar activist like Dr. Jeffries. Now, this guy Butts is under whom Warnock was trained. Warnock has said Butts was his mentor. You understand, folks? And none of this, with all the media, none of this apparently is worthy of their attention. You've got Warnock, you've got the Jeffries family, nothing. And yet the media says they're concerned about anti-Semitism. No, they're not. They're not concerned about it in the least. Butts later came under fire in 1995 after his church hosted Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. Again, this guy was mentored or to uh, Warnock as a speaker, and Butts appeared to praise him, prompting chants of Fidel, Fidel, Fidel from the audience. Want to hear more? Butts, who died in October of this year at the age of 73, once described Warnock as one of the brightest and most intelligent and academically prepared young clergymen in the country. After his death, Warnock described Butts as his mentor. Calvin Butts taught me so many things, Warnock said last month. Calvin Butts taught me how to take my ministry to the streets. The work of the Lord doesn't stop at the church door. That's where it starts. His pulpit was the public square. His pulpit was also the anti-Semite racist square. And Warnock has come under fire for his own praise of Farrakhan, who has called Jews wicked, satanic, compared them to termites. And during a 2013 speech, Warnock praised Farrakhan's Nation of Islam as an important voice for black Americans. The voice has been important for the development of black theology, he said at the time. It was the black Muslims who challenged black preachers and said, you're promulgating the white man's religion. That's a slave religion. You're telling people to focus on heaven. Meanwhile, they're catching hell, Warnock said. What do you think, folks? And Warnock is leading in Georgia. Now, Hakeem Jeffries is the new leader of the Democrat Party in the House. But it's Trump who can never be president again, we're told. Now, I'll compare Trump's record with Jews in Israel to Warnock's to Hakeem Jeffries and his close uncle, Leonard Jeffries, and to Raphael Warnock. Wouldn't you? Sickening. I'll be right back. Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. 
But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Next hour, I want to ask, answer LeBron James at his press conference yesterday. I want you to hear some of what Kanye West had to say. And I've never met Alex Jones. I don't know a damn thing about Alex Jones. I don't need to know or meet Alex Jones. But it's not like he was agreeing with Kanye West, although he did give him a platform. That's for sure. And, uh, and it's worth condemning this, this Kanye West. There's no question about it. A lot of people... Liked him. Supported him. They didn't know this side of him, apparently. They didn't know this side of him. I'm skeptical of people like Kanye West on the left, and all of a sudden we embrace them. I'm skeptical of other people for different reasons, like Bill Maher. and <clears throat> We don't really know who he is. He's, he's been kind of a weirdo most of his life. Or most of his career, anyway. I don't know why we feel, and I've said this to you before, that we have to cling on to people on the left uh, to try and give us some kind of legitimacy. We don't need them for legitimacy. We don't need them for legitimacy. We only have a minute, but this is why, in my view... Uh, if people want to have these discussions, we need to have these discussions. I can't do it in five minutes or three minutes. It's something that's necessary. Maybe I'll do a Life, Liberty, and Levin on this at some point in the near future. I did do an entire program on the New York Times. An entire program on the New York Times. And what they did or failed to do uh, during World War II. And... Um, when it came to the Holocaust, on what they did in 1932 when it came to Stalin murdering the Ukrainians, and what they did in, in the 1950s to uh, build up Castro uh, in the eyes of, uh, of the world. And, of course, what they do today in hiring unvetted anti-Semites. Nonetheless, we'll listen to some of what Kanye West had to say. It's repulsive. And I want to respond to LeBron James. We'll be back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. LeBron James at a press conference yesterday. Why are the media bearing Jerry Jones's photo controversy while obsessing over Kyrie Irving? That's what he wants to know. Now, this is a photo that came to light of a high school-aged Jerry Jones ostensibly taking part in a protest against black students entering Little Rock High School. Which, of course, was wrong to protest that. And he was in high school at the time. We don't know really any details about it. No excuses. Jerry Jones doesn't mean anything to me. But I'm just saying he was in high school at the time. So what was he, 15, 16, 17, Mr. Producer? Something like that? I don't know. How old is Kyrie Irving? He's a grown man, isn't he? In his 20s or 30s? Is he not a superstar? He's an adult. And it's 2022. As an adult. seems to me to be an interesting difference but let's listen cut 15 go I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo but when the Kyrie thing was going on you guys were quick to ask us questions about that okay um, hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on and I don't even want you guys to say nothing when I watched By the way, who does this guy think he is? I've never even heard an athlete talk like this. Black, white, Hispanic, whatever, interracial. And I don't want you guys to talk and say nothing. Wow. Go ahead. And he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And... That Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid every single news coverage it's on the bottom ticker it's asked about every single day but it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes I get it but it seemed like it's just been buried under like oh it happened okay we just we just move on and I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys You know, it's interesting, a couple of things here. Number one, he talks about we and you all the time. We and you. When we do something wrong, it's in the tabloids. When we do something wrong, it's in the tabloids. Now, when somebody does something wrong, it may be in the tabloids. Now, what's the difference here? He touched on it. It doesn't make it right, but it does explain the focus. 
And so we should be talking to Jerry Jones about the photo from, I don't know how old, he's, an old, he's kind of an old guy now. I guess the 1950s when he was in high school. And make him accountable for that, no matter what else he's done in his life. And yet Kyrie Irving makes a contemporary statement. A contemporary statement. Given all that's come and gone. Throwing in with an anti-Semite. And LeBron James, hey, you guys asked me about that. But how come you don't ask me about this photo from the 1950s with Jerry Jones when he was in high school? Now, LeBron James is not an idiot. He knows the difference. But what he is is an ideologue. He's a partisan. If I were to ask him who he voted for, it would be Biden. Why would you vote for Biden, given his past? Well, after he was in high school, he was a young senator. As a segregationist and a racist who opposed integration. And threw in with Wallace. And threw in with Eastland and Stennis. Well-known racists and segregationists from Mississippi. Did you vote for him, LeBron? Of course you did. Of course you did. Why'd you do that? Maybe you should be asked questions about that. But this has nothing to do with the photo from Jerry Jones's high school days. This has to do with a basketball player in the same league as LeBron James, who LeBron James knows. Any contemporary statement he made as an adult. LeBron James knows the difference, so what is he trying to do here? He's trying to distract. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to distract. Which suggests to me he really doesn't give a crap about what Kyrie Irving said. That's what that suggests to me. Now we have Kanye West. He's on the Alex Jones show. I do, and I've given this a lot of thought whether to play any of this, but it's out there. Um, and Kanye West has given a platform to voice his, his Jew hatred. I mean, and it is really deep. And yet it's the kind of thing that Louis Farrakhan supports. It's the kind of thing that Hakeem Jeffries' uncle, Leonard Jeffries, supports. It's the kind of thing, in some respects anyway, that Jeremiah Wright supports. That was Obama's preacher for 20 years and Michelle's preacher for 20 years as they put out these books about life's lessons. What do you think of that, LeBron? So here we go. Cut 16, go. I see, I, I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew, I love everyone, and Jewish people are not going to tell me, you can 
love, um, you know, us. And you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts. And you can love what we're, you know, what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician, you can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good. And I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. So should we talk about Jerry Jones when he was in high school, or should we talk about this? Cut 17, go. I like Hitler. I, I don't like Hitler. And I know you're trying to be shocking with that. I'm not trying to be shocking. I like Hitler. I do not. I The, the Holocaust is not what happened. Let's look at the facts of that. And Hitler has a lot of redeeming qualities. Jones did challenge him and took him on. Cut 18, go. And, and the Nazis, in my view, were thugs that shook people down did a lot of really bad things. But they did good things, too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. Yeah, we gotta, we've got to stop that, folks. Stop dissing the Nazis all the time. There's a rapper. There's a guy that was embraced by Hollywood. I don't think they knew what he stood for, certainly not the extent of it. Uh, this is a guy who, who did work with the Trump administration to try and advance the cause of black minorities and so forth. But as President Trump said, he never said that stuff to him. He was utterly unaware of it. But we're certainly aware of it now. We're certainly aware of it today. Now, what do we do about it? Nothing. Right? Just move on. Focus on Jerry Jones from 60 or 70 years ago. That's right. Why don't you ask about Jerry Jones? No, I'm not going to ask about Jerry Jones. I'm going to give a flying you-know-what about Jerry Jones because he was 16, 17, 18 years old in that photo. There's not a damn thing that I can do about it. But when people make comments today or yesterday or two weeks ago and they're adults and they have really big platforms, uh, that gets my attention. That gets my attention. Now what's happening here, and I've talked about it now three days in a row, is that our media and Democrats whether they be basketball players or whether they be reporters, so-called, or whatever career they have, they are politicizing and exploiting this for their political and exploitation purposes. What am I talking about? They're not condemning race, excuse me, uh, anti-Semitism because it's immoral. They're not speaking from the heart. They're not speaking from the soul. They're not speaking as spiritual people. They're saying, who can we whack with anti-Semitism? Who can we whack? Don't bring up Leonard Jeffries. No. Don't bring up members of the Black Caucus. Only Levin has the guts to do that. No, 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 don't do that. 
Don't bring up Nancy Pelosi giving cover to Omar. Don't do that. Don't bring up Talib. No. It's a bipartisan thing. Oh, really? Really? Well, the Democrat Party gives cover to their elected anti-Semites. They give cover to them. That's what they do. That's what they're doing. So do the media. Why is Al Sharpton given a platform on MSNBC, LeBron James? He was well out of high school. Well out of high school. When he turned the crown on the Jews in Crown Heights. You familiar with that, LeBron? Why is it that every Democrat kisses his ring? When they want to run for president of the United States. Why is it that Comcast gives him a platform? Or Joy Reid, who's a bigot and a racist. With her homophobic, among other things, social media. Oh, the FBI planted it. Or somebody must have put it there and took over my social media. Okay. Why does she have a platform? Hmm? She's an adult. We're not talking about her high school years. Which I don't approve of, don't get me wrong. But he asks, what's the difference? So I'm educating him. I'm explaining it to him. But it's pointless, isn't it? It's utterly pointless. Because the people of whom I speak, who view this from a political perspective, not a moral perspective... They don't care. They just don't care. I'll be right back. Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values, and I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50 percent off your first month again puretalk.com and in our promo code levin podcast the daily signal fred lucas Documents reveal Senate Democrat pressured the IRS, the Department of Justice, to target conservative groups. This is what's going on with the Democrat Party and their use of federal authority could be taking place in any fascist or Marxist regime. Because that's their mindset. It's totalitarian and their media mindset because they are of the Democrat Party. 
Sheldon Whitehouse, remember this reprobate Democrat Rhode Island called for revoking a tax exemption for a conservative group for not masking up and socially distancing during the pandemic. Insisted on a slew of investigations of other conservative groups and pressed for the IRS to expand its reach. Total 176 pages of correspondence from and to White House was obtained from the IRS by the conservative watchdog group American Accountability Foundation through the Freedom of Information Act and shared with the Daily Signal. It's abundantly clear that Senator Whitehouse is trying to take the 87,000 new IRS agents and put them to work investigating me and my friends because he doesn't like their politics, said Tom Jones, president and founder of the American Accountability Foundation. The letter spanned from January 19, 2021, the day before Biden took office, to May 2022. White House long has been a critic of conservative nonprofit organizations and uses an expansive definition of dark money groups, broadly defined as tax-exempt organizations that don't disclose donors. Oh, really? Well, the Democrat Party's perfected that. The Rhode Island Democrat, first elected in 2006, has made dark money a central point of Senate floor speeches. Yeah, but not against his colleagues, that's for sure. And often uses up to his entire five-minute question period to make related speeches during hearings of the Senate Judiciary and Finance Committees. It's lowest learner on steroids, Jones said, of what's in the White House correspondence, referring to the IRS official in the middle of the Obama-era IRS scandal over the targeting of Tea Party groups. And I want to remind you that this reprobate, Jack Smith, the new special counsel, was specifically chosen because of his activities involving targeting Tea Party and conservative groups at the IRS and urging Lois Lerner to criminalize their activities. The Lois Lerner stuff was a mid-level bureaucrat abusing her power to investigate conservative groups, he said. This is a U.S. senator basically trying to turn the heat up on investigations by the IRS. So if Sheldon Whitestone had his way, Jones said, Lois Lerner would just look like a test run of what Sheldon Whitestone has in mind. Targeting Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA, our good friend Charlie Kirk's group. Because they held an event at then-President Trump's Mar-a-Lago without masking. Turning Point's mission is to train and develop young Americans to become conservative leaders. You believe this? Yes. It's unbelievable. It's not the only group. This senator. I mean, there ought to be a big-time investigation of this. And this senator is joining his letter by Amy Klobuchar, along with 38 other Senate Democrats, going uh, going after conservative groups. I'll be right back. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. 
I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. couple of things, folks. We're going to have a fantastic, brand new, fresh Life, Liberty, and Live In this Sunday. Uh, very important, I think, opening statement. And we're going to talk also about the protests in China and the protests in Iran, how that affects us, why it's important, and the failure of this administration to support these efforts even openly, publicly, in any significant way. We'll have Gordon Chang on exclusively with us, who is absolutely fantastic. We'll bring him on from Japan, which is where he is right now. And Richard Goldberg, one of the great experts on Iran as well. And, of course, me. And one of the things I'm going to talk about is the police state that we're now seeing growing within the ranks of the federal government at the behest and direction of Joe Biden and the Democrats. And I'm going to go through it piece by piece by piece. So it's not the usual thing that you hear from other hosts or watch other shows. We're back. We're back. It's not a candidate show. No more than one or two guests. And so uh, um, I hope you'll tune in. That's number one. Number two, I will be on Hannity tonight around 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And I hope you'll check it out. Now you... um, I think you'll, uh, he's got a great show planned. All day long, the media have been attacking Herschel Walker. Everything I've told you about Raphael Warnock, his associations, his statements, his embrace of anti-Semites, not a word. You wonder how we lose elections in part, it's due to the media. The media lie. It's the biggest in-kind contribution for a political party on the face of the earth. ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of them. In-kind contributions. They paint Herschel Walker as some horrific individual. We all know who Herschel Walker is. Great Heisman Trophy player, great all-pro football player. When we bring him on the show, we talk to him, you hear how articulate he is, how thoughtful he is a born-again Christian, and so forth and so on. Now, when you read the media, he's abortion guy, he has a bad temper, he, uh, uh, he takes a tax deduction he shouldn't take. In other words, it's a complete character assassination. Now, they don't talk about him as a historic figure. No, 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 no. No, no, because he's conservative. You can't have historic figures who are conservative. And if they're black, in particular, they have to be destroyed. Because only the left has historic black figures. You understand? Only the Democrat Party, the party of slavery and the Klan, the party of lynching and segregation, only that party can represent blacks, truly. I'm waiting for LeBron James to talk about the Democrat Party one day. Maybe I should go to one of these press conferences and ask him a question. You think I can get one out? I doubt it. 
most of these sports reporters are slime balls too. One or two of them are good guys. Like Stephen A. But here we are. Here we are. All right. I want to get into this a little bit more deeply too. And that is the power of the bureaucracy, the power of this administration and what it's doing. So far, they've used the oligarchs in Silicon Valley to spy on you. That is, to examine what you're posting and then to let the Department of Homeland Security know about it. They've lied about it. Josh Hawley has dug into this along with Grassley. You think that's a proper role for the government? We know, believe it or not, from the American Criminal Liberties Union, the ACLU, which woke up the other day and put out a statement, that the Federal Bureau of Investigation has entered into non-disclosure agreements with local law enforcement, has forced pressure local law enforcement to monitor many of you and to provide that information to the FBI. Do you think that's the proper use of the FBI? The FBI has used what I'll call a general warrant. A general warrant to do what? A general warrant to collect information on almost 5,500 cell phones that were used during January 6th to find out where people were and their mobility on that day. 5,500 cell phones. So if you were just there as a protester, and maybe you went to, uh, to the John or something like that, the FBI would know about it. With some kind of a general warrant. Do you think the FBI should be doing that, ladies and gentlemen? I'm just curious. Joe Biden launched an investigation against the meat industry. Big meat, he calls it. He's launched an investigation against big chicken, the chicken industry. He's launched an investigation against big oil. He talks about collusion and so forth. None of those industries have been proven to do anything wrong. Period. Ever. When it comes to these laws that they throw around. None of them. But it takes the focus of a Biden and his policies. Launching investigations. It was Joe Biden who said that anybody who doesn't comply with the January 6th committee and their subpoena should be prosecuted. I guess the U.S. Attorney in Washington and the Attorney General in Washington heard him and have done exactly that. Haven't they? Joe Biden has made his interest in seeing Donald Trump criminally prosecuted known. I guess his Department of Justice has heard that. The war on parents who go to school board meetings. That memo that was sent to the Department of Justice and then from the Department of Justice went through the White House. Went through the White House. You see what's going on? Last year there were a total of four FACE Act investigations against pro-lifers. So far this year there have been 26. 26 Arrests of pro-lifers and virtually no defense of churches, think tanks, pro-life organizations who are opposed to abortion. 
This Department of Justice has sued the state of Alabama that passed a law to prevent the use of chemicals to prevent biological puberty from taking place on children. The Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice sued Alabama to stop them. State of Texas passed its own abortion law after the Dobbs decision, and the court said unequivocally that these are state matters. The Department of Justice sued the state of Texas to stop it from enforcing its its statute. After the 2020 election, the state of Georgia, the state legislature in particular, decided they needed to fix their election system. And they did. They had record amount of votes on an off-year election. Well, they were sued by the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, claiming they were in violation of the 1965 Voting Rights Act by suppressing minority votes, which never happened. They were sued. Parents at school board meetings, states with abortion laws, states trying to fix their voting laws, states trying to protect their children. The Department of Justice has intervened every single time on the side of the Democrat Party and the radical left. Every single time. The appointment of a special counsel to bring charges against a former president who has announced his candidacy in the Republican Party for the nomination of that party to run against the current president is the thing of third world dictators. You're unleashing your own Department of Justice against a political opponent. The purpose of these special counsel um, regulation, which is based on a statute, is so there's not an appearance of a conflict. And by that, what is meant, the history behind it, is you cannot expect an attorney general of the United States to criminally investigate his boss. Not his boss's opponent. His boss. Instead, his boss doesn't face a special counsel, despite the myriad of evidence. Evidence, texts and emails, eyewitnesses, bank accounts, no doubt treasury wires that are being covered up by the same administration. That the President of the United States is bought and paid for by various regimes, including the Communist Chinese regime. That hasn't even triggered the appointment of a special counsel. But that's what it's for. Not to unleash a special counsel against your political opponent who might be running against you as president. That's what Maduro does. That's what a Putin does. That's what a Xi does. We don't do that in America. This is the first time it's ever been done. The Department of Justice refuses to arrest individuals who are violating federal law, felony statute, by harassing members of the Supreme Court with whom they disagree. Only the originalists, of course. Tracking them down, perhaps, at their vacation locations, tracking them down at their homes, keeping their children awake. The statute was passed to prevent that. They haven't prosecuted a single person, not one. 
Not one. No, 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 no. No trespassing and parading there, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of which, almost a thousand people have served time in jail or have the scarlet letter of a charge on their records for parading and trespassing on the Capitol building. Now, there are those who were violent. I'm not talking about them. And yet, even when it comes to them, they have used a sedition law that was used the last time during the Civil War against Confederates. And they know they can bring them in front of District of Columbia judges, who are the most radical on the bench. And they know they will get convictions in many cases because of the jury pool. Just say Trump, that's good enough. They're playing the system over there at the Department of Injustice. They're playing the system and they're getting away with it. Because the appellate courts and the Supreme Court do nothing about it. Donald Trump's tax returns are sitting with the Democrats on the House Ways and Means Committee. Six years worth. Because the Supreme Court would not stop the Democrats on the way out the door from getting his tax returns. The entire argument that they used is utterly phony now. A legislator purpose. We've got to make sure our, our internal revenue uh, laws are actually functioning properly. They're not in the majority in three weeks. And yet they hand and force them, the president, the treasury department, to provide his tax returns to them. What are they going to do with them? There's no legislative purpose. Certainly there's none now. They're going to leak them. Does this sound like a free country to you? Or a police state? Or a burgeoning police state? What's it sound like to you? 87,000 new IRS agents. They're going to need to be really busy, and I'm sure they're going to get bonuses based on how many audits they do. And given Sheldon Whitehouse... And given Jack Smith, and given the history of the Democrat Party, now who do you think they're going to audit? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Do we have 
a caller, Mr. Producer. Do we have a liberal or do we have a regular American? XM Satellite, Cameron, Salt Lake City, Utah. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Well, I'm, I called in about a couple of things. I'll make my points quick and then let you uh, talk about it. We have it. one minute, First so pick all, your priority. Uh, all right. Uh, Trump is the man for the job. The reason why I say that, I'll just make it very fast, is that when anything is pushing as hard as these people are pushing to stop him, that's a true sign that he's the right guy. They fear they fear Trump, and they fear those who support him. Uh, what do you make of all these so-called independents and single women in the suburbs, wherever they are, and all the rest who might be turned off? Well, uh, obviously, uh, cult, our, our culture has softened to the point where everybody's offended about everything. Uh, yes. It, it's sad to see. But I don't judge the man on his rhetoric. I judge him on his policies. All right, my friend. Thanks for your call. We'll be right back. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time, so check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381. Remember Tara Reed, 3811. She can never get her day in court. Um, The newspapers gave her about 14 minutes of coverage, the media. And, of course, she's never had a hearing. Anybody makes an allegation against any Republican, well, even if they're lying through their teeth, like people making accusations about Kavanaugh or Clarence Thomas, they build entire careers on it. But not Tara Reid. But over at the Daily Caller, as reported by Diana Glibova, exclusive Tara Reid calls Republican Majority House to investigate alleged sexual assault by Joe Biden. I mean, I guess it just depends who you're sexually assaulted by. That's how sick this whole thing's come, come to be. Former Senate aide Tara Reid called on House Republicans to launch an investigation 
into allegations that she was sexually assaulted by then-Senator Joe Biden in 1993, telling the Daily Caller that she would be willing to testify under oath. It would be a very difficult thing if I could testify under oath, Reid told the caller, adding that she would provide whatever information Congress needed and Congress could ask me whatever questions they wanted. I don't think Liz Cheney's down with the battle there. I really don't. It doesn't advance Liz Cheney. I think we need to have the conversation instead of me being erased. Another woman that were erased and tried to come forward, Reid added, saying that House Republicans should launch an investigation while they have a majority. Now, just stop there. That's some news right there, isn't it, Mr. Producer? I think we need to have the conversation instead of me being erased and other women that were erased that tried to come forward. We see Joe Biden. He's a pervert. He's a pervert. Let's just be honest. He is what he is. Now, I understand in today's culture, being a pervert is very important. Yes. You have certain rights under the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department. You have certain rights under your teacher union contract and so forth. But for a lot of us, being a pervert is a problem. Because we don't like perverts. We don't think it's culturally acceptable. But listen to the sentence one more time. I think we need to have the conversation instead of me being erased and other women that were erased that tried to come forward. So other women have tried to come forward and they've been blocked. And the media have not reported on this because they're part of the Democrat Party industrial complex. It's that simple. So Joe Biden, yes, I'm implying by this, but the cover-up's on, so I'll imply what I want, was a serial molester. That's what she's implying here. Reid alleged that Biden sexually assaulted her in a Senate corridor in 1993 by pinning her against a wall and reaching under her clothing before sexually violating her. God. She said she filed a police report in 2020 about the incident that no thorough investigation has ever taken place. Isn't that amazing? It's really the only case of something like this. There, There's never really been an investigation. I'm sure Nancy Pelosi ran to her defense. Oh, she didn't? I'm sure AOC. Oh, no? Susan Collins? No? Kamala Harris? No. Amy Klobuchar? No. None of them. Gillibrand? No. Interns and others that worked alongside Reed in Biden's Senate office denied knowing that any sexual misconduct took place between Reed and Biden. So the New York Times reported in 2020, citing interviews with former staffers. She could also not remember some details about the incident, including the exact time, date, location, according to the outlet. But she's got a lot more information than anybody who accused Kavanaugh of anything did, or Thomas. Biden staffers who worked with Reed at the time, including aides Dennis Toner, Chief of Staff Ted Kaufman, Executive Assistant Marianne Baker, all denied that Reed came forward to them about the alleged sexual assaults. Oh, okay. Toner and Kaufman told NPR they didn't remember Reed and that she did not come to them about the allegations. Why would she? 
Why would she run around saying, you know what, I was molested, I was molested. If the Senate staff that served under Biden had to go under oath, Reid said, I think they would have to admit something very different. He would put his fingers underneath the back of my neck, underneath my hair. Gee, he's never done that before in public. And then run his fingers up and down, Reid said. He would massage my shoulders and touch me. It was just weird, she added, noting this happened before the incident in the hallway. Well, he's done that to many people, including little girls. We've seen it with our own eyes. It'd have to be Helen Keller not to see it. Spokespeople for Biden have reportedly denied the allegations. Oh, I thought they would confess. The White House did not respond to the Daily Caller at the time of publication. Now, reclaims her mother called into Larry King Live in August of 1993. We remember that. And asked Larry King what her daughter could do other than go to the press with problems she encountered after working for a prominent senator. The only problem there is prominent. Biden's always been a low life, to be honest. Audio shows that a woman did call into the show at the time, and Reed has claimed that the woman online was her mother. That seems pretty persuasive. I'm wondering what a staffer would do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him, Reed's mother said. King responded, in other words, she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true, Reed's mother allegedly said. Reed's friend said that she told her about the assault at the time, and another friend and Reed's brother have said that Reed informed them of the assault over the years, the New York Times reported. Reed told the caller, that is the Daily Caller, that she filed a sexual harassment report through the Senate in 1993 and that the report was filed on paper. If the paper still exists, it would be sealed with Biden's papers at the University of Delaware, Reed added. She continued that when she brought her complaints to her superiors, she was threatened and ultimately dismissed from her duties. Now, isn't it funny? The laptop, they pretend doesn't exist. The information on the laptop and this letter. And the University of Delaware won't allow access to the materials. Just like the Treasury Department refuses to provide the wire transfers for the Biden crime family and their misbegotten funds from foreign governments. Ooh. But former president, private citizen, Donald Trump's six years of tax returns are crucial for the three weeks left of the Democrat Party in the House. Make sense to you? One of the press secretary staff at the time told Reed, well, effing destroy you if you go forward, Reed told the Daily Caller. The intimidation and trauma led Reed to not come forward for years, she said. I was 28 years old. Scary to hear at the time. It was the beginning of my political career, and it kind of shut me up. It ruined her. It ruined her. That's what it did. I have a daughter. I have a granddaughter. You know, if somebody pulled that, I'd, I'd be one pissed-off human being. Wouldn't you, Mr. Producer? South Bay, California defense attorneys investigated whether Reed had falsely described her education credentials. See, this is what they do. 
Now, when it comes to a, a leftist, they're not education credentials. I mean, all you got to do is tell the Washington Compost they'll be out there the next day. There's a great book out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. The man's name is Bill O'Reilly. He's become a friend of mine. And I wanted to discuss this with him as well as other things when we will return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it's great to have my friend Bill O'Reilly back. Bill, how are you? You know, I'm the same, Mark, which is tragic for everyone. Um, I don't deviate too much. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, I do want to start with this because there's been so much going on. And actually, this book kind of is very relatable to events going on. Killing the Legends, the Lethal Danger of Celebrity. See that happening with Kanye West, among others? Oh, it's an incredible that when people become famous, um, their whole lives obviously change. And they become targets, but in ways that many don't understand. So Killing the Legends about Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali, all of whom changed American culture. We live today in a way that is defined by these three men in part. And it's an amazing historical story. People said, look, this is your 12th killing book, all the others killing Lincoln, killing the rising sun, uh, big events. Now you're going into cultural history. But the history is so intense, and people don't understand how celebrity can destroy you if you don't understand what's going on. And let me make this personal to you, Mark Levin. You're famous. Okay, um, everyone knows you, everybody knows me. And because of that, there are benefits, but there are deficits. And I think you, following your career over the years, understood quite readily that you could not make yourself available in a casual way. And so people don't know about what you do, where you are. You do some um, book signings and, and that kind of thing, but and you correct me if I'm wrong, um, you understand there is a danger. And look at Nancy Pelosi's house. Look at Nancy Pelosi, okay? And and you can just, every, you can just stair-step it. There are legions of famous people. So you mentioned Conway West, but I'm going to mention Donald Trump, too. Mm-hmm. Because the two most famous people in the country are Trump and Biden, and celebrity has hurt both of them in ways I don't think they understand. So Trump never knew that sitting down with Kanye West and the other clown was going to yeah. come back and cause him deep angst. He did not calculate that. And he's a smart man. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he had supper, he goes, ah, I've got supper with these guys. Kanye's a friend, and Kanye's some good things about him. I don't even know the other guy, which I believe he should have. His staff should have been just up and, like, you yep. can't do this. Um, but I don't think Trump himself pays attention to Nick Fuentes. Um, but anyway, because Trump wants to be in the company of famous people, i.e. Kanye West, because that's part of the celebrity game, he gets hammered. And I don't think he even understands now what the deuce happened. Mm-hmm. So when you take it 
um, to the extreme where John Lennon uh, is gunned down outside his home in New York City, where Muhammad Ali is run by the Nation of Islam, that's Farrakhan now, so he defines that, and they keep him in the ring so his brain dissolves. And when Elvis is um, taking more narcotics in a week than most hospitals dispense in, in a day. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. None of them could handle the weight of celebrity, and that's why this book has done so well, because I'm bringing out things that people don't, they never really thought about this. Mm-hmm. Would you say then, and certainly I'm not in this category, but would you say then that it takes quite a strong will to uh, resist these various uh, things? Because let's be honest, and I'll, I'll just put it for me. There are things I want to do that I can't do. There's things Absolutely. you want to do that you can't do. And right. so there are people who hate us. Now, most people I come across are very, very likable people, but you have to change your routine every day. You can't just do the same thing over and over again. Um, you have to be of strong will to, to be able to deal with that. I'm not whining like a baby. I'm just saying you just kind of do, right? Yeah, it's the reality of the situation. But rather than being a strong will, you have to have vision. So you have to understand where you are in life. Now, I didn't understand that um, when I was working at the Fox News Channel, becoming very famous. I, I thought this was a magic carpet ride, okay? And I never calculated. I knew that people hated me and that I had to have security. I mean, literally, people go with me around New York City. That being said, 90%, and I think this is true for you too, 90% of the people that I encounter are very nice. Yes. They're not threatening. They're not, they're not throwing things at me. But I, I didn't calculate the hatred in some of the precincts, and they spent big money trying to get me, um, mm-hmm. big money. And we know it. We know who did it. We know how it was done. And mm-hmm. when you're in that situation where you're a commentator, where you're, where you're commentating on politics every day, well, the people who don't agree with you, a lot of them are so demented, they're going to want to, they're happy if you die. That, mm-hmm. That's how bad it is now. So the ability to see the big picture, which I learned, and you, I think, were ahead of me, because I always said, you know, you don't see much of Levin around. Um, <laughs> Hannity, Hannity's... A, Hannity's the same way, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannity and I live close to each other uh, on Long Island, and we interact uh, um, often. And, and he's the same way, because he watched and saw what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so he, he withdrew in a sense that he's not going to let anybody in the inner circle. And that brings us back to killing the legends. Presley, Lennon, and Muhammad Ali were all destroyed by people they trusted. They were betrayed. They were betrayed from the inside. Mm-hmm. Colonel Parker for Elvis, the manager, taking more than 50% from Presley. And Presley was a you know poor kid with not much education. Lennon becomes addicted to heroin. That's what broke up the Beatles. Nobody knows that. I didn't know but he that. Becomes, yeah, he's a gregarious face of the Beatles. He was the mischievous one. And then all of a sudden, he disappears. He's isolated. Because he's addicted to heroin. 
And that and the Beatles went, the other three went, whoa. That's what broke that band up. And Ali, I opened the Ali portion of the book, and I hope you get to read it. He's sitting on a stool in Manila, the Philippines, in the Thriller in Manila against Joe Frazier. Ali thinks he's going to die. Yeah, he thinks he's going to die. He thinks he's going to die. And, and he, he's looking at his trainers, and he, he goes, I can't, I can't go out. I, I, I'm going to die. And then on the other corner, Frazier, he, his people said no more because he was almost blinded by Ellie. That's how savage this fight is. And, you know, my writing style, I put you right in the ring. So right, anyway, don't go away. The, don't go away. I want to okay. carry you over it. By the way, Bill, nobody... It tells a story like you do. It really is intriguing and gripping. And that's this book, Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. You can get it at Amazon.com. I have it on all my social sites. It's a great book for the holidays, a great gift, and a great read. And, yes, I've read the first several chapters. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Mike Levin, the thunder on the right. Call him now, 877-381-3811. We're here with Bill O'Reilly, does a great radio show, by the way, on WABC in New York. Killing the Legends, the Lethal Danger of Celebrity. You can get it at Amazon.com, any of my social sites. It's very interesting here. Yoko Ono and her relationship with, uh, with her husband, what was that relationship? Well, when the Beatles first came over uh, to the United States, they ushered in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's why they are in the book. And Lennon was the face of the band, McCartney a little shyer than Lennon. And uh, as I said, Lennon was a big extrovert, and then all of a sudden he becomes an introvert and and hard to get to. And that's because he was involved with hard drugs. And it overwhelmed him. He needed somebody to take care of him, and that was Yoko Ono. So he comes in. Just like Elvis uh, ceding all power to his manager and Ali ceding all power to the nation of Islam, all autonomy, they gave everything over to other people. And Lenin comes in, um, and they develop a relationship where Lenin does nothing unless Yoko signs off on it. Hmm. 
and it, it, it's a harrowing, uh, we put you in the recording studio, mm-hmm. the last album the Beatles made. Yoko Ono is actually has a bed, a regular bed, in the recording studio because she needed to get rest during the sessions. I mean, it's, it's so bizarre, but that's what he did. He gave up all his independence. And the other ladies with the other Beatles, how did they react to that? They didn't like Yoko. Yoko wanted to isolate Lennon and control him, which he eventually succeeded in doing. After the band broke up, then it was the Yoko, the plastic Ono band, if you can imagine this. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Lennon pretty much did what Yoko wanted him to do. Um, and the other Beatle um, wives and girlfriends didn't have any um, sway into the band and what the band did. And that caused a lot of resentment as well. Mm-hmm. Now, these, these, it's, it's really three books in one, and you, and you tie them together. You fuse them together with the common thread, what you're talking about here, the lethal danger of celebrity. Let me ask you something. Out of the three, and maybe, maybe you don't have one, which seemed the most uh, compelling? I mean, these are three Ali. big people here. Ali, tell us why. Yes. Okay, so Muhammad Ali was perhaps the greatest American athlete of all time in any sport. The guy was supremely gifted, and he became at a very young age an Olympic gold medal champion and was a role model for African Americans. Nobody, with the exception of Martin Luther King Jr., had more sway in the African American community. For some reason, and I don't know what the reason is, Ali signed up with the very militant, anti-white, anti-Jewish nation of Islam, run by Herbert Muhammad. And um, Mohammed, Elijah Muhammad, I should say. Herbert Muhammad was Elijah's son, and he took over Ali's life, total life. So in Manila, we were talking about before the break, Ali thought he was going to die. He wins the fight because Frazier can't come out because Frazier can't see. All right? And then... The doctor, Ferdy Pacheco, who worked for Ali, said, you can't fight for a year. You can, you can barely get out of bed. For 14 days, he had to stay in the Manila Hotel. He couldn't get out of bed. And so Pacheco says, look, you, you know, you can't keep doing this. Four months later, who's back in the ring? Because Herbert Muhammad and the Nation of Islam got a supreme cut of all the purses that Ali got. So they kept him in the ring getting the hell kicked out of him, and that destroyed his brain. I mean, that is a compelling story, and it's never been told. Unknown. None of these stories really have ever been told, um, mm-hmm. which is why we decided to do Killing the Legends. Let me give you a little footnote here. When I was chief of staff to Attorney General Meese, and he had this pornography commission that they mocked, but it was really aimed at child pornography, which had become a problem. And Reagan wanted to do something about it, and Meese wanted to do something about it. I would get a call every now and then from Muhammad Ali, Bill, who wanted to know how he could help, uh, who was very concerned about it. He sent me a, a picture of himself where he drew a ring, and he wrote in there, and you could see his hand was shaking, so he'd already had some level of Parkinson's, and he said, you better not come in the ring with me. And he told me that took him an hour and a half to draw all that and write all that. And I have it right in front of me here, framed here. You know, Muhammad Ali, I interviewed him. He was, I, didn't, I never met Elvis or Lennon. And I interviewed 
Ali, and I never got any racist vibe coming off him. No. I mean, the, the handlers, the people around him, absolutely, but not him. And he was, as you know, extremely likable. He was engaged. I think he was a good person. Uh, and, and Elvis, too. Elvis, mm -hmm. too. I think Elvis was so screwed up that he destroyed himself. And Elvis knew he was destroying himself. He died at age 42. You can't take the amount of narcotics he was taking, prescription drugs, and live that lifestyle and think you're going to survive. Lennon, not so much for me. Um, mm -hmm. I respect him what he accomplished and his talent, but he just dropped his kids, Julian, just dropped them because Ono didn't want Julian around very much because they had their own baby, Sean Lennon. And, and so I don't, out of the three, I think Elvis and Ali were essentially decent people. Lennon, I'm not sure about. Very, very interesting. Such a compelling book, folks. It's so fascinating. Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. You can get your copy at Amazon.com. It's on all my social sites. If you want to visit there, fantastic gift for the holidays or read it for yourself. Bill, what else are you up to? you got a great radio show. I know that. Yeah, we come on right after you on WABC, and we're kicking serious push at uh, nighttime, you and I. I want to recommend uh, your book, American Marxism, if people haven't gotten it yet. It's oh, another great you. Christmas and holiday gift. You know, if you give Killing the Legends and American Marxism, um, you know, you'll, keep yourself, yeah, you'll keep yourself occupied for a while, and yeah. you'll learn a lot. And, you know, we, uh, I live at BillOReilly.com. That, that's our uh, fortress. We do TV. We do everything. And I have to tell you, I run three corporations now. I worked in the corporate world for, you know, 42 years, and I am so happy to be out of it. I can't yeah. tell you how much television news has changed. You know it. You see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole thing, and it's really a shame. I mean, I hit it at the right point time. Mm -hmm. I worked at ABC with Peter Jennings, and we came in, we invented the top Fox News Channel, became a phenomenal success. But boy, I'll tell you the independence that I have, and I couldn't do this in any other country on earth. America is the only place where I could do it. And the way you did your Fox show has been picked up by so many other people. Have you noticed? I'm sure you've noticed that, right? Yeah, I mean, Jesse Waters is probably the best example. He, he was trained by us. I think I unleashed the monster there, but I'm not sure. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah. What is a good guy, though? He but is we trained guy. him, and, and he knows you know, how to do TV, and he's doing well. And all the producers of Fox News primetime were trained by me. So if you can get by me, it's like the Navy SEALs. Yeah. <laughs> because our standards are very, very high. We don't make mistakes. We, we, it's no BS with us. You don't have to agree, but what we're going to present is very important. Can I give you one stat, Mark? I don't, I don't Absolutely. know if you're aware of this. this. This is shocking to me. So every time there's a mass shooting, Evaldi, Buffalo, all of that, all the leftists come out and demand gun control. We all know that, right? Yeah. So last year... There were 690 mass shootings, according to the Violence Project. The Violence Project tracks everything. Mass shootings of four more people hit by gunfire. You know how many lone gunmen out of the, four, out of the um, 690? No. Do you know how many? No. Seven. Seven? Seven. 
Uh, so uh, most, mostly gang-related, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And they won't cover that story. It's, it's the inner-city drug gangs in the big metro centers that are slaughtering people in the streets. Slaughtering them. Mm-hmm. And it's not covered. Doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't fit it. And then if you just step back and you say, oh, you want to ban these guns, you don't think these drug gangs are going to get the guns? It's ridiculous. Oh, come on. It, yeah. it's, it's dangerous. And so the American people are misled. When I saw that stat, I went, whoa. And the final mm-hmm. thing that I want to talk to you, uh, that I want to tell you, is, did you see Corinne... Uh, Jean-Pierre say flat out that Joe Biden went to the border. Did you? Yes. I'm sure you did, right? Yes. Crazy. That is the that is the biggest lie I've ever seen in 50 years of journalism from the White House, from any White House. She just flat out says, "Oh yeah, he's been to the border." No, lady, he hasn't, and you know he hasn't. Here, Bill, but she can I get away with that. Exactly. I don't think the media give a damn anymore. They don't care. That's exactly no. 100% right. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you lie like that? Even the New York Times had put it on page one. Now, they ignore it completely. And it's shocking. It's, it is shocking. They're so partisan. Well, listen, I want people to know, you are a good guy. You know, and I feel like I have to say this. You know, early on, you and I went at it. It was a terrible mistake on both of our parts. And the fact of the matter is... Bill really is a good guy and a smart guy. And so I appreciate you, buddy. And the book is all right, you're, Killing the you Legends. You're ruining, right. You know you're ruining my reputation. You know it's all right. right now. It needs telling, to be ruined. By telling people I'm a good guy. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> hey, Mark, have a great season. Enjoy it. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. All right. God bless, buddy. You take care. You're really going to like this book. Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. You can get it at Amazon.com right now. It can be delivered to you. I guess it's too late right now, but tomorrow it can be delivered to you the next day. Or if you're in a bookstore, it's there, too. It's a great gift. It's a very fascinating book. These books are fascinating. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the men and women in Taiwan, the men and women in communist China, the men and women in Islamo-Nazi Iran, the men and women in Ukraine fighting for their lives, and you, the American people. I'll see you on Hannity in 30 minutes, and I'll see you tomorrow. God bless and be safe.